I'm a part-time rock star. What's up? Welcome to the Part-Time Rockstar Podcast, episode 172, featuring my friend Paul Joyce of the Baltimore-based band Megazillion. Uh, I first met Paul over at Zissimo's, where he bartends and books. Um, he just released a brand new album through Megazillion, which is called Triple Phoenix. And I would say it's got like a lot of early 70s, 80s kind of punk rock influences as well as like some experimental and psychedelic undertones. Uh, Paul grew up in the heyday of the hardcore scene in New York City and uh, I imagine that uh, probably shaped his style of writing just a bit. Uh, We had a really good in-depth conversation about all sorts of topics including music, writing, dreams, bartending, psychology, books. So um, if you're friends or fans of Paul's, I think you'll probably learn something you didn't know about him before. Definitely uh, talked for a good bit. Um, I featured his tracks Good Guys and Sheep of Doom, uh, respectively. So uh, you can find Megazillion's music on all the usual streaming platforms and uh, also follow them on all the socials and stuff like that. Um, regardless, uh, thanks for listening, and thanks for supporting local music. We all appreciate it. Hopefully, you yourself are doing all right as we get ready for this uh, weekend and get ready for Christmas and all that stuff. Hopefully, uh, you stay insane, staying positive, all that stuff. Feel free to find or follow the podcast itself on all the socials or uh, drop a subscription wherever you might be listening. Um, in personal news and notes, I think I will be playing uh, tomorrow night, Saturday, in Frederick at uh, Agave 137. That'll be acoustic, 7 to 9. And then uh, last three things i got to mention. The Part-Time Rockstar Productions is up and running. If you're looking for any video content, we can hook it up. Uh, we also got the web store open for the podcast, so the t-shirts and sweatshirts and stuff are up on there if you want to get any last-minute Christmas ideas or gifts in. And then the sponsor of the show is Truly Strings Guitar Shop out of Laurel, Maryland. Definitely the best spot to take your guitars if there's something wrong with them or if you just want to get them tweaked or tuned up or any of that stuff. So uh, Steven's the guy who runs the shop, and uh, I take all my guitars there. But anyway, uh, without too much further ado, we'll get to the conversation with Paul of Megazillion. Yeah, it is. Oh, it's always a little Halloween. Do it right. How you doing? All right. Uh, yourself? Okay, it's nice enough to sit outside. Not nice enough as far as 
it not being a dreary day, but it's warm enough that I can sit outside and what I can I do. Yeah. Are you in ha- are you that- in ha- are you in Hamden today? Yeah. Yeah, that's where I live. Okay. More around there anyway. Yeah. So um how you been otherwise? I haven't seen when did I see you last, like, like two months ago? Yeah, I guess it's been a little bit since the last show. But, yeah. That was fun, uh, that one. Yeah, it was a good it was one. Like, those nights are fun, man. I, 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 like, I like doing that. I like, I like having the uh, bands come and everything. I'm glad, it's, I'm glad it's working out. So. Yeah, I don't yeah. know who uh, who brought the crowd that night, if it was uh, Rebel Ernie or somebody else, but it seemed like it was uh, relatively uh, full compared Re- to some other nights. I can't remember who else was on it, but Rebel always has... Rebel seems to have a core group of friends that always comes out and supports them, which is nice, you yeah. know. Yeah, for and, sure. Um, and they, and they're kind of new, so they're they they got that um they got a you know a good they got a good ground base that it seems like they're building off of, which is cool. Yeah, um, sure. More props to them. It's not easy, as you know. Yeah, definitely not. Hence the but, uh... hence the t- hence the title of your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. <laughs> um. um I know I said that to you a little late. Did you get a chance to look at that at all? Yeah. Now uh, I, that's kind of like that's kind of like the main album that's coming out this weekend, but um, that's not that's not even the full scope of what the the project's going to be at the end of the day. There's like a well, what did you think of what you did hear from it? Like what 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 kind of vibe did you get? I'm just curious. Well, I hesitate to call everything indie rock because, broadly speaking, I guess it is. Um, yeah, I was, I was trying to think of like a the near, nearest comparison, but I, I don't know. Um, I you know, I don't listen. I'm not a big fan of them. I'm not. I, I do like them, but I don't listen to them a lot. But somebody said that they, they were, some of it reminded them of Flaming Lips, and I was like, I wonder if that's accurate. You know, because yeah. my this is definitely the most like this album is definitely the most like, um, how should I say? Well, one of the more mainstreamy rock things i've ever produced i have a history of doing like you know weird metal stuff and like um hardcore and math rock and film music and f city which is a popular band from town from baltimore um is eclectic it's kind of got it's kind of got this raw b-52s kind of vibe going on but it's a little but it's kind of even more punky in a sense because the bass is really distorted and stuff like that but um yeah, I don't know. I, I made I started making that album that you listen that you heard a little bit of during COVID, and I really just came out of me writing it on the porch, uh, on the other side of the house, with the acoustic, and I was like, oh wait, these are rock songs. I start, you know what I mean? Like I thought they were acoustic yeah. riffs at first, and then um, it just kind of went from there. But like, um, my son who is fifteen now, who plays with me in Megazillion and Consumer Culture, um, was only like twelve at the beginning of COVID, but he had already been in school of rock for about three or four years. And because of all the film work I've done, like I've done films for like trauma. I've done work for the aquarium in Baltimore. I've done a bunch of indie oh, nice. horror movies for a long time. I have an IMDb page. You can look me up on there. It's I'm Paul Joyce, like five or something like that, but I'm on there and I have, and I have a yeah. lot of titles under my name. And, um, I did it for a long time. I'm still trying to do it. Just a COVID's kind of, as you know, it's upended everybody's trajectory. So I'm just kind of like recalibrating everything. Yeah. And making this new music that I kind of COVID kind of forced my hand a little bit, you know. Um, and so me and my son, because I can record at home because I have because that's what I was doing for a long time. 
and we have drums here and everything. We just started making music together. We released a bunch of sing singles that are already up that have been out since 2020. And then September 2020, we started working on an album. And that's what I just sent you. And I spent about a year and a half on it. <laughs> and I never uh -huh. sang that much either. I'm usually, I'm usually the lead guitar or like the, you know, the main riff writer or song arranger, composer. But I've never actually put myself this far out front lyrically vocally it's kind of and i've had a history of my voice not working properly so this was definitely like a it was kind of an important thing for me as an artist to like kind of like bring home you know what i'm saying yeah we could let the sirens go by there for a second yeah that's that's that's, that's part sweet, of the charm sweet sounds of baltimore city but yeah, uh know. someone's not getting what they want that's what i always think when i hear a siren go up somebody's not getting something they wanted yeah. So we're getting I mean, something they didn't want, I should say. Well, I uh, I ran 911 calls for a living for a very long time, and I can always tell you that uh, I always joke that the chief complaint for everyone is loneliness until proven otherwise. So that's what I oh. always think. Yeah. <laughs> because if they had a friend or someone to help, they probably wouldn't be calling us. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. The vast majority, anyway. But some you know, people well, are. All this, connect up. all this connectivity is 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 um part illusion you know it's there but it's also yeah. an illusion it's also an illusion um but anyway so back to the music i just said but that the thing is like, with that project like i make ambient music that i've sat on for years i make electronic music i've sat on for years i've been, I've been putting lyrics to i have like because i was working as a film stuff for so long i had my other projects i never had time to just have like that that one project that i like with you know all out on and I just, with me and my son, it's just been so harmonious. We've just been like, let's just do this. We have a five-piece band now and with really great people, and that's what we're doing. And he's, I was like, I was like, let's go on tour next summer. And he's like, yeah, let's do that. You know, and same with the other band too, Consumer Culture, which he's in. Like, yeah. just like we just, it's just kind of crazy. I didn't, ex this, I, this was not part of my plan before COVID, but now it's like this is all I can think about. You know? Yeah, no, that's awesome. I definitely feel like we can take a few steps backward here to get yeah. back up to this point that we're in now um, to give people a background. Um, first thing I was thinking too was that uh, I um, didn't know what you sounded like when you sang. So that was my first thought. I thought you sounded <laughs> pretty good. And I know the uh, feeling of not being entirely sure about that, but yeah, you know, got a cool voice. So you don't, have to, worry. You don't have to worry too much about that. I appreciate um, that. I do worry about everything, so it's it's that's helpful. I'm, yeah. I'm an expert warrior. Right on. <laughs> I'm not I'm not as gray as my age. I go gray, I'm gray because I'm I'm a I'm a, I'm a I'm like a black belt in worrying about stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then I uh, I was gonna ask too. Someone else on the show worked on an indie flick, not quite a horror flick, I would say, but maybe. Um, it was called Butterfly Kisses, and I don't know if you'd heard of that, or maybe... I have worked. heard of that, but I, I didn't know who did that, but I have heard of that. Okay, yeah, one of the guys I had on the show did the, like, the music for that, I think. That's it cool. A, it was filmed in, uh, Catonsville, it was really good, actually. I love doing film music, and I, I wanted to do film music for a long time, and it was around 2006, my friend Mark Colgrove was making a film... And he um, he asked me to um, help him do it because it was like a, a spoof on old Italian horror movies, which I love that stuff. 
So I said, absolutely, because I knew I was going to get to make a bunch of synthesized 70s rock style stuff. You know what I mean? So I was way into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. This, and this was before, like, the Stranger Things popped up and Grindhouse came out. We thought we had, like, carved out a niche for ourselves. And all of a sudden, uh, that whole, like, retro thing blew up. And I was like, man, I've been doing this shit for, like, five years again. You know what I mean? It was just kind of funny <laughs> the way it worked out. Yeah. But, um, you know, making film music is fun, man. I love, I love when I look at a scene and there's, like, I don't. There's nothing there yet. There's just dialogue or action, and I just get to go. Oh, okay. What does this need, or does it need anything? And then some people go, "Well, how do you do it?" And I go, "Sometimes I just find a sound I like on a keyboard, and I just press one note, and just watch while I hold that note." Do you know what I mean? And then I start yeah. thinking about it, and that's kind of how I. That's kind of part of my process. That's cool. So, have you been doing film longer or music longer, or both about the same? Oh, music, music longer. I've, I've been doing because I've been playing the whole time, and right. I've been in bands since I was in high school. And my first band was actually a pretty popular Long Island hardcore band. I grew up in New York, and gotcha. um, I moved here in '94. But um, I that band was called Scape Grace, and I was in that band for four years from right out of high school, and. We actually had a bunch of seven inches out. We played with all these punk bands and ended up becoming like really big. We just broke up. You know, it's one of those bands I really think that probably could have kept going because we were very popular. But it just, um, they, you know, the, I was the youngest in the band, and um, which isn't the truth anymore. But uh, I was the youngest <laughs> in the band then, and they were just they just couldn't figure it out. They couldn't get along. Yeah. The, some of the guys. It's a shame that that happens so often, especially when it's something good like that. Cause it's so hard. To build yeah. something popular like that, and then to just be petty and throw it away is it just it's such a waste, you know? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. All that all that ego, you know, it's just it's just it's it could be it could be a life killer sometimes, you know? Yeah, for sure. But I don't I don't regret it though because obviously I ended up here and I like I like who I am and I love my family and I love playing mu- making the music I'm making right now. So it all happened for a reason, but. So I wouldn't say it was it's a regret I look back on. But I remember being very sad when they told me the band was breaking up because I loved that band. I yeah. played bass in that band. And it was fast. And I grew up playing along the Iron Maiden. I was like the I was like the metal prog rock kid in the punk bands. They were the guys yeah. who showed me hard hardcore. I had no idea about DIY culture when I met them. I don't, I thought everybody that was in a band that was on MTV was rich and famous. You know what I mean? That's I had no concept <laughs> of that stuff. I just saw a flyer at the college I was going to when I was eighteen and said hardcore band i said what's hardcore my friend's like dude you'll like it it's heavy and i was like okay and i, I called them up <laughs> and that was that you know yeah yeah that's cool because um yeah obviously when i was texting you or whatever you mentioned you had a show coming up like a release show at the auto bar and yeah, that's... um that's a no easy cat to uh skin as it were to get in there i've only played there once so far in the last whatever it's been 10 years so um I... It's um, I love that spot. You know, I know the owners. I know I've known all the owners over the years. Honestly, like um, my old bands, particularly Darkwater Transit. I had this band Darkwater Transit for a long time. That's kind of on hiatus. It's on hiatus right now again because we're we're having a member issue. And and Darkwater was very was a pretty popular band too. And um, it was instrumentals, two guitars and drums. Um, it was very like odd time signatures very math rocky but maybe yeah. a little more song oriented than just straight math rock and not just dweedle dweedle for the sake of dweedle dweedles but you know because it was it could get it could get pretty straightforward at times 
because it could be about a groove or it could be about a feeling. But um, we definitely like, um, we definitely like we did our album release party at the Auto Bar in 2002. It was a very good show, and I always I just had a good relationship with them for a long time. So when I even though Megazillion is new, when I hit them up, they were like, sure, you know, and they said, what's the bill going to be? And I just I called in Strawberry Sleepover, who's a great newer band. I called in Soul Cannon, who are Baltimore legends as far as I'm concerned. Easy Jackson's that band. That's all I got to say about that. Yeah. Um, 51 Peg, who's a, a legacy band, and Dingleberry Dynasty, who's been around since the 90s, who's got a legacy band too. And like, I just, and they were like, oh, this bill's amazing. So it wasn't, it wasn't an issue. You know what I mean? So I, I think it's going to be a good show. I never am convinced until it happens. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I'm always worrying to the last minute. Like I, when I put on a show like this, I'm looking out the door for the first hour and a half, like like a, you know what I mean? Like trying yeah. trying to will people in, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's definitely nice that I had that. I, I've done enough that I had that um, legacy that I could do that. I could have that option, you know, which is it's it's not something I take for granted. Yeah, not at all. And then I mean, um, I assume you don't mind talking about Zissimos either. Uh, obviously, being that not you, at all, uh, man. Being that you work there and all that, and uh, are constantly putting together bills. So well, that I mean, came out of a really that came out of really. I never fancied myself to be a promoter. What happened was, I used to work at a place called Thirteen Point Five Wine Bar. Do you remember that spot? No. Okay, it was a it was um it was a wine bar near Falls and on the Avenue near Falls and um. I worked there from like 2011 maybe till 2013 roughly, and I, I had a good relationship. I left on good terms. I was a bartender, and um, a couple, I guess about like four, three years later maybe or so. I can't remember exactly. It's a little everything before COVID is a little blurry now. But um, the, I walked by one day, and the owner had put in the stage, and we I had started the jazz night when I was working there with uh, one of the managers, and we used to book our friends there. And it was Wednesday nights. We have little jazz combos. And what happened was this guy put a, um, a stage in there, um, the owner, and I went, in, I went by one night, and there was this band playing, and there was, like, nobody in there. And I was like, Ween, what's going on? Yeah. He's like, I don't I got this promoter, and they said this, that. And I was like, dude, I was like, I know tons of musicians in this town. How much are you paying them? Let me do it. I'll do it for you. And I really just did it. Because I didn't do I wasn't looking for it. I, lose, I just cared about the spot. I liked that. I liked that spot you know what i mean and i, I was friendly with the owner yeah. we, we had a good relationship so i i just you know I, I was a little aggressive i guess the other person huh. but there was nobody in there and i didn't want to see that you know yeah i said this place should be bumping you know so i and it was successful i ended up doing two nights there that led me to booking a place called the corner for a while and up poking poly g's for a while those places one place I didn't want to do anymore one place closed down and then wine bar got sold but all of that hoopla i had going on for a while i was booking jazz and all these places and acoustic acts Led to me booking ZCMOs around 2008, late 2018, I think. I can't remember exactly. And I yeah. started booking there, and it was a really nice buildup, some really great shows, and then COVID happened. Mm. And um, and then I um, came back earlier this year, and and that's how kind of how it all happened. Yeah. But it, it was never like it just it just it was truly an organic thing how that all came apart, came together. And the fact that I have a room now when it's hard for bands to find rooms in town because so many places closed down or, or have question marks about them or the the money's changed um and where i can like give the bands a little bit of money if we do well enough um you know it's it's been nice i like because i like that because i i consider you know musicians my 
my main comrades. You know what I mean? It's, I, it's hard yeah. to be a musician in America. And and it really is. And, it, and I, I can't say as I get older, it doesn't make me resentful about a sort of, certain things. It does. But that's a whole other conversation I don't want to get into. But it, being able to um, make a little extra money for my family and be around music and support people that I um, am aligned with if, uh, from an ideological standpoint is a nice thing to do. You know what I mean? Yeah, I enjoy it. For sure. You know, no, it can I mean, be a little stressful at times. I'm not going to lie, but I like doing it. Yeah, I yeah. feel like it's probably the good kind of stressful, you know? Because like you said, yeah. you're passionate about it. and Better than Burger um, King stressful. <laughs> yeah, or whatever. Something you yeah, hate or, already. Or, then, yeah, I've done all sorts of jobs, so. Yeah. You know, as you um, know, being a musician, you're kind of always, you know, yeah. juggling a little bit, just keep it alive. It's, it's, not, it's not easy. Yeah. Uh, well, I think you're doing good work, man. Uh, Thank you. I appreciate that. It's... Uh, it's cool whenever people can, uh, I don't want to say mature into a, a secondary role, but it seems like a lot of people or musicians or bands do find like a niche eventually that they're sort of good at within the scene and they're able to, you know, kind of step up if, as it were, and kind of help out whatever, whatever yeah, that no, void it, is. Yeah, no, I, and I appreciate you saying that um, because it, it is kind of, it is, you know, I don't, I bartend the shows because it's a good way for me to make make extra money, obviously. But yeah, you know, I don't love bartending anymore. But I because I've done it for so long. But I can bartend a music show, and it doesn't feel the same because I don't have randos coming in that I can't relate to or think I'm weird because I have long hair or something like. I know it sounds crazy, but it still happens. You know, yeah. you, when I I was working at a job like five or six years ago, my hair was kind of shaggy and gray. And, like, you know, guys who come in with, like, their pink tucked-in shirts, or you know, they, they talk to you weird. They just do. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? And I don't want to be around that, you know? So waiting on other, you know, weirdos, musicians, and artists, it's yeah. like, I'm cool with that. Those are, those are my people. You know what I mean? That's who I relate to, you know? Yeah. It's a com- I guess it's a comfort zone, you know? Yeah, for sure. Now you fit, fit right in, obviously. I mean, and then you're really the ringleader of the circus, too, simultaneously, so... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it, can, it can become a circus you know uh, it, it really can a good one though I, lo- I love that circus you know I, and I like I like things to be a little you know tweaked I like things to be I like you, if you really listen to the album and all the music I'm doing at Megas Lake that album isn't like I said what I was saying earlier it's not really everything that's the bulk that's the main part but there's others these other appendages that uh, there's other names for parts of Megazillion with different styles and like most of my personal taste with art and seeing stuff and movies is I like things that are just a little off. You know what I mean? I like things to be yeah. a little weird, sometimes completely weird. And then every <laughs> once in a while you, you have like that nice, beautiful straight down the middle moment. And I like that. I like that combination, you know? So yeah. having that scene in there, I have a little bit of all of that. Sometimes people come in with just an acoustic and they sing something beautiful some guy, some guy, a guy comes with a bunch of drum machines and does some weird golf stuff, you know. Or we had, we had a beautiful, like, kind of fusiony show on on um, Sunday night. Ginger's Palace had their album release party, and uh, the guitar player um, Walsh from that band, he played this guitar solo he, that he came up with. I guess that's on the album. I need to listen to it still, and it was gorgeous. I mean, it was like. Yeah. I stopped working and was kind of like just watching him play. I'm like, man, he's, this, this sounds beautiful, you know? And just to have that, be close to it like that, just, you know, that's yeah. good life for me, you know? 
yeah, for sure. Food and food and music are you know my favorite things. I think, you know. <laughs> right on. Yeah, we could definitely talk about that. I feel like another <laughs> another thing to bring up too is like um, when you mentioned that guitar solo. Which song do you say that was on? I, you know, I, I need to look up the name of the album again. Honestly, it's been there's so okay. much information coming at me this week because of the thing. But the name of the band is Ginger's Palace, and it's on Bandcamp. Okay. Just look up, just look okay. up their most recent thing and listen to the title track. That's the thing I'm talking about. I know it's the title tracks you told me. It yeah. begins with an R. I'm just, it's just, I'm just drawing a blank. But it's yeah. good. It was, it was a beautiful piece of music. Right on. And then, uh, how many guys do you have in your band? Megazillion is five people. Um, it's a person who plays keyboards and guitar and does some backups. A rhythm guitar player sometimes who does leads and like kind of like spacious stuff. A bass player. Um, the drummer, and then I sing and play guitar, and then I run and I run some of the electronic stuff. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Yeah. And that's, that's and this is just the first level. Like I said, like I, I can't stress enough. Like I put out three releases in the last three months, and um, this album is like the, the centerpiece. But last month I put out an EP of ambient music that I had this idea. I was going on vacation last year, and I, um, we were going to stay in a cabin on Lake Erie. You know Cedar. You know what Cedar Point is? Yeah, I used to have family up there. Okay, so my son is a huge roller coaster fanatic. Yeah. And um, so we take him when he wants to go places. We go check it out. We go ride the things he's obsessing about because it's fun. And I'm not a big I'm not a big ride guy. I never have been. My wife loves them. So I said, well, Cedar Park, Cedar Point is very coaster centric. If there's no dark rides, which I like, there's no like. There's no shows. It's really just roller coasters and, and a couple other things. So I said, why don't we? Why don't I? I'm gonna, you guys go hang out one day. I'm not going to go both days. I'm going to hang out in the cabin, a lot of it, and I'm going to bring my acoustic and my laptop, and I'm going to make a ambient, ambient, a short ambient album that's derived from the acoustic almost entirely. And the idea was, I was thinking of at the time I was listening to a lot of um early Apex Twin when he was ambient, which I love that stuff, and I was like. What would he have done if he only had an acoustic guitar and a laptop? And I kind of came with those albums. And I kind of came from with that mindset. I ended up coming with stuff that I'm really proud of and it's really beautiful. And um, I basically, I just, I did three tracks in like two days. I wrote them right there, recorded them, mixed them at home, and added vocals to one at home. And I added my friend John Diker on bass clarinet on another because he's a phenomenal player. And, um, yeah. and I, I put that out last month. That's, and that's under my Meditations banner, which is all my ambient music. Then uh, before that, um, I have a four track, a box of four track tapes from the late '90s into the early 2000s before I had a DAW, and I would record all this experimental stuff on my four track. Really, some of it, you know, ambient music, weird, crunchy yeah. beats, acoustic stuff, and I I've been compiling it all this year. And I said I'm going to release this stuff in volumes because I'm proud of that stuff. It just been, I lost a four track. Someone let one to me so I could do this this year, early this year, and I dumped it all. So I'm, I'm doing it in volumes. I just put out volume one of that. It's called Low, and that series is called Lo-Fi High. And volume one's out, and all this stuff is on Bandcamp. Um, yeah. There's actually CDs of Lo-Fi High too that are going to be at the album release party for the main album, which is Triple Phoenix, which you heard, which is coming out uh, tomorrow on Bandcamp. And the album yeah. comes out on Saturday. And then we're going to launch a streaming campaign probably in January with Big Curve Music, who's putting out the album. Okay, cool. I was going to ask, too, like, the best place to find your stuff because 
obviously right now it doesn't look like it's on Spotify. It's just SoundCloud. Uh, that's that, that's a private link. That's only for um, reviews okay. and stuff like that. Gotcha. So I'm actually going to take that link down after tomorrow because I'll have the Bandcamp link up. You know what I mean? That's yeah. that's the final. Uh, I gave that to, I gave that to send around to people so they could hear it. People I need it. I have I have some, you know I have some pretty I have some pretty accomplished friends and I would send it to them to see their get their advice or yeah. you think this is where it needs to be. So that's my that's kind of what I use that SoundCloud for. I actually mastered that album. So my dad passed away in January, which was um, after suffering for quite a, quite some time, and um, he was a big Sorry music fan. And um, thanks. And he was a big, big music fan. He loved that I was a musician. He loved that my son was a drummer. He was ecstatic that me and him were making music together now. He was so excited about this album, Triple Phoenix. So he's on the cover, actually. I took a picture of him after he passed away to that time. He looks, it looks badass because he was, he was a cowboy. My dad was, my dad was awesome. And uh, I have a picture of him from the 70s. He, it's an amazing cover. And, um, and, um, Oh, I lost my spot a little bit. I, why, would I, why did I bring that up? Uh, um, oh, I, I so I put the uh, I had the album mastered at Abbey Road. Gotcha. By Alex Morton, who did the last My Buddy Valentine album, because I just launched Shoegaze on the album, which I, I love that style. And yeah. um, I just thought this is the first time I'm making an album with my son. My dad passed away. He was going to help me with the album, promote it. He's on the cover. I said I'm going to master this somewhere special. So I. I bit the I bit the bullet. I, went, I approached Abbey Road. And they took me on, and they they did it. And um, I was really it was really exciting for me. Like just to think that my son's first album he's on is uh, at Abbey Road is kind of kind of crazy, you know. But um, yeah. I'm really happy with the way it came out. I wanted a really warm sound. I told the guy I like really warm albums. I love the way Peter Gabriel albums sound. I'm a big fan of the sound of My Buddy Valentine albums. I love the sound of. Um, Signals from Rush because it's a really warm album. I love those kind of. I love that warmth. I don't like albums that are super high end. Just I just don't find it pleasant at all. So yeah. I, the album has the album has kind of like a round sound to it, you know. Were you involved with the mixing at all? And also, I was going to ask did, where I, you recorded it. I did everything except the mastering. Okay, cool. Every single thing on the album, from, except the drum playing, from the miking of the drums, which I did an okay job on. Um, that wasn't my. The best thing I did on the album, uh, but I played everything. There's very little sequencing on the album too. I played most of the parts. There's only two songs that have some sequences because they were built for. Everything was written over 20 in 2020 except um, the base of two songs that I had the sequences from like a while back that I had a lyric ideas for and I never, I just could never get to because of the film work. And um, but other than that, everything is performed. And I, I just got someone asked me what the tempo of the song was. I said there's no tempo. I, re I didn't record any of this to a grid. It's very much live, you know? Yeah. And I wanted it to be that way. I wanted I wanted to say, hey, you know, I made this album and I played I played it. You know what I'm saying? Like this is a I performed this album. You know, I sang everything. I it was a lot of work. And the mixing it was a lot of work. You know, I never yeah, I never but... mixed I mixed some tracks before that had like forty five stems, fifty stems. But some of these songs have like seventy five stems and it gets crazy in the in the in the EQ field when it gets like that and the compression stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot of work. I, I definitely, I definitely c called upon my inner Jeff Lynn, and uh, you know, huh. yeah. You know, do, you, do you do it all at home? Yeah, yeah. Nice during COVID in my basement. Cool. Yeah, 
we have a studio now that we moved a bunch of stuff to where we practice now, which is nice to have a space again because I think, except uh, for a little bit, we were rehearsing here too, and it was driving um, my my better half a little. Maybe you know, I don't want to say too much. She doesn't like me talk, but yeah. you know, uh, I'll just say that it's good that we have two places now. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm yeah. a very lucky person. Let me leave it. I'll say that. Yeah. But uh, and he and you know my son he really like he really. He's probably playing like two or three hours a day now. Nice. Like I'll come, I'll, I left the other day to go to work. He was playing. I came home and he was playing. Wow. He practices constantly. Gonna be a virtuoso soon. Yeah, he's it's, it's getting. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, he could. He was playing like, you know, he was playing Tom Sawyer two years ago. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah. it's just nuts. It's just nuts. And it's and for me as a writer, it's like. The combination of watching him come into his own and the combination of us doing stuff together and him being into it. I don't know, man. After you, after your father dies, to have that kind of thing happen simultaneously, I can't think of anything maybe more grounding and comforting than having that, for me as a musician, you know, having that combination, you know? Because my, yeah. my dad was my first muse, you know? Yeah. He yeah. had... We had speakers in the house that were like this in the 70s and 80s. You know what I mean? Yeah. He bought home 1984 from Van Halen. I heard Van Halen because of my dad. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, did he play a guitar or an instrument as he well? He did play guitar. He, he played guitar yeah. and he painted. Nice. Yeah. And uh, he was an artist. Um, you know, he didn't go. He didn't follow it like I did, but um, he definitely was an artist. Yeah. He was a very smart guy, my dad. And very, like, uh, kind of kind of working on his own plane i can't i can't you know it's my dad was kind of a a bit of an anomaly you know yeah I got but you. He, was good, he was a really good person and he really he really stuck up for he really stuck to his guns and worked his ass off you know yeah um i, mean, I guess um you know that's a sense of just like this combination of putting all this music out and like me singing finally the way i want to and like and like even since I've done the vocals on that album, and I've heard like I've just cut a lot of those vocals a year and a half ago. My voice, I can already feel it getting stronger, and like me feeling more confident we perform is, nice. it's really, it's it's satisfying, you know, because you, some people like you know this, you know, I know you know yeah. this because you, because you've been doing it for a bit, you know, there's the guys that you start playing music with, right, and a couple of them fall off in the first couple of years, right, then there's the people that try for a little bit, and then they fall off. Right, and then there's the ones who stick around as long as they possibly can, but then circumstances push them off. Yeah, and then there's just the people left who are just stubborn sons of bitches who are like, "I gotta do this," you know yeah. what I mean? And I'm I'm glad I did because it's it's be, it's become really rewarding in that regard, you know. And I feel like I'm doing some of my best work ever, you know. Yeah, it's a good feeling. You yeah, know? Um, I, and I appreciate the time, man. I, I, I you know, like it's. It's hard to get press these days or any sort of thing. So the fact that you're even willing to have me on means a lot to me. I really appreciate it. Nah, man, it's the uh, least I could do. Um, considering, like I said, what you're doing over, over in Hamden and booking and all that stuff. I mean, I'm, this is exactly what I want to be able to do is help people out, you know, return yeah, the favor here. or whatever, if I can. So it's, you know, it's something nice about helping people. Some people that don't want to do it. I like, I can't help myself. You know, sometimes I, I know when sometimes I know I have to draw the line or sometimes I'm having my own bad day and I'm I could be a little selfish myself and just be like I can't deal with that right now. But 
for the most part, I tend to I tend to help if people ask me. You know what I'm saying? Like I I just I get satisfaction out of it. I I, I like I like connecting people. I like I like being you know what it is? I like being an asset. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You like being valuable. Who doesn't? Yeah. I could go yeah. more into the philosophical reasons why I like it, but basically I just like paying it forward. You know? Yeah. Because I like just seeing, you know, like or like being able to say, you know, I tried up front. You know, I, di- I didn't uh, ask for anything necessarily. I just tried to get something done, you know, and hopefully, you know, maybe I see something come back my way. But if I don't, you know, just the way of the road and I'll still feel good about having tried to help out, you know. Yeah, and it, it's not always rewarding. Sometimes you try to help and it blows up in your face. Right. But... You know, that's a, that's it's a better that's a better game to play than, you know, always being for yourself and screwing people over. You know what I mean? Because it, it at least yeah. at least at least when you when you give out and you you pay it forward, you know, there are always the good people that recognize it and, you know, they they're there they're there for you in their own way. Not everybody can be for, there for you in the same way. You know, oh, everybody. Yeah, no. You know, it's it's um. But there's it's interesting. I feel like I bring up this book every episode, so I've got to stop, but um, I wrote a song about it many years ago called Ishmael, and uh, one of the takeaways from that book is that there's takers and leavers in society, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's great. And it's just far better to be one of the uh, latter than the former. Yeah. Because, like, I don't know. Do you, um, do you ever watch Always Sunny? No, oh, yeah. <laughs> this is, you know, Frank Reynolds, uh, Danny DeVito's characters. It's not the same thing, but it, it may be reminding me of it. It always makes me laugh. There's an episode where Frank, you know, there's like a scumbag. Yeah. You know, he's like, he says, uh, this is America. There's, there's, there's dupers and there's dupees. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> I love that line. That always, line always makes me laugh. But yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I, I know what you mean by that. And, um, I try to talk to my son about that too. I always tell him, I said, you know, going forward, I'm worried about the quality of people's work ethic because of the way people are coming up, just like staring. You know, I do it too. I'm not saying I don't do this, but like staring at screens, looking at stuff that really doesn't mean a lot. It just entertains you in a very short sense. And I said, and people, it's easy to be entertained. It's so easy to be entertained now that people are possibly not developing skills like they used to and I, I worry about that and and uh, teach a recent conversation I have with an art teacher who's been doing it for like 25 30 years the difference in the students in the last 20 years was it was it was heartbreaking honestly it, yeah. the difference the difference between what they would want to learn then and what they want to learn now she says it's like almost like a mass thing where it's like nobody wants to learn anything She's like, very few people want to learn stuff she's like they just yeah. now I just manage their phone usage and make them not fight She's like, but uh, ten years, you know, twenty years ago, I'd be like, this is how you draw this, and they'd be all want to try to do it, you know. Yeah. And um, so I, I've been trying to tell my son, it's like if you get good at these skills and you show up and you're honest, I said, there's going to be a lot of room. I think I'm suspecting there might be more room, and later than there is now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because people aren't going to develop skills. You know what I mean? They're just going to keep looking at stuff and like just feeding the monkey, basically. You know? I'm, I don't. I mean, hopefully I'm wrong. I don't want to go that way, but. I've been just trying to protect him, like in that regard, be like try to encourage him. You know, when he, it, thankfully uh, he's he's engaged. I, you know? 
I, I feel like I've been having this like uh, or trying to make this point for the last 10 years or more myself which is like I don't know your your focus is um, actually a muscle that you can train and like because like for it years is. people have been trying to tell me well I gotta put my kids on like people I work with they're gonna put my kids on meds because they can't focus whatever and this that's just the way it is they need a pill and I'm like yeah, I mean, maybe, but also maybe, you know, you could look at it another way, which is like, if you never try, and I'm not saying that they don't, but, you know, it's something you got to exercise. Yeah, well, I do think there is some truth to that. I was perpetually a late person when I was younger. I had to, yeah. I, I had horrible time management. I had, to, and I still look, I'm not perfect at it, but I worked very hard to add it you know what i'm saying i had to work at it because i knew it was a problem because it was it was causing me issues at my jobs when i was younger it was causing me issues with my bands when i was younger and i worked on yeah. it and i don't i'm not nearly as treacherous with it as i once was you know what i mean i yeah. i was because i was such i was such a dreamer that i would just be kind of lost on every day yeah, just you know aloof I mean? a little bit yeah and um but, you know, I, I definitely, like, I don't have a problem with that. Showing up on time for work is now, hasn't been an issue for me for a long time, you know? Yeah. But I had to think about it. I had to It's a conscious, on. yeah, it's a conscious effort. I saw something good. Speaking of scrolling on your phone, I, yeah. uh, I try to follow stuff that I actually find truly interesting, like little pieces of wisdom. And one of them was just like, you know, your your power is your ability to focus. It is your focus. And so all these apps and all these games and all these things are quite literally robbing you of your own, like, power, you know, whatever you <laughs> want to call it. Like, because you don't have much power in life, you know, necessarily if you can't focus on what you want to do. And all what's these your, things. What's what? your favorite way to waste time? Waste time? And I, don't, and I don't mean, like, you know, like, so, like, when I play guitar, that's not wasting time. Yeah. What do you think is the one thing you do the most? That really has no value to nurturing what you really want to accomplish in life. Uh, definitely playing FIFA, the video game. Apex uh, Legends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I play some Apex Legends. That's my one. That's like my one empty vice right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't have my Xbox anymore, but like I love getting online and just whipping some kid's ass in FIFA or Call <laughs> of Duty or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> That sometimes, used to be I whip, sometimes I whip and sometimes I get whipped. Man. Or that, yeah. Sometimes they whip your ass, but <laughs> whatever. Um, but I, so. and video games are fun. They're designed to be fun, and they're and they're expertly yeah. designed. I mean, I've lost. I've definitely lost some time in a game like Zelda or Skyrim over the years. I've definitely given myself over to those games. But I do have a. I do have some rules. Like I don't. Um, like I get one game and that's the game I play for a couple of years till I'm bored of it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't get every game. I don't indulge in 10 games. I watch one show at a time. It might take me a month to finish it. You know what I mean? Like I really don't try to, you know, I, I guess I just put out three albums and you know, that's, and, or, yeah. it's, a lot, it's a lot of work. You know what I mean? It's a lot of work and, and I have to also have my jobs. So you know, ZC Most takes a lot of work, and I work in a wood shop on top of that, which is very busy right now because of the holidays. Nice. And um, yeah, and I just, you know, so to, to get all that done, I have to have a very regimented schedule, and I have to be like, this has to happen now. This has to. Ha I was in, got in the bed last night, and I was making a list of 
everything I have to do to prepare for the show by Saturday. Like, you know, mm-hmm. rendering a file for the backing track on one song. Only, only one yeah. song has, like, electronic stuff. But, um, you know, I, I, it's, like, stuff like that, you know, where I'm just, like, constantly thinking about everything. But that took work. It used to much more be, it was, like, a random thing, you know. And I had such, I had such an ability. I, I still do, but it's different now because I'm older. I had, But I had this ability just to create. I, I still have this ability to create constantly, right? But back then, it, yeah. was, probably, it was different because I didn't understand it. I probably took it for granted a little bit. I didn't realize how lucky I was to be able to make up that much stuff in a short period of time. Yeah. And um, so I just threw everything everywhere and partied all the time and played music and, you know, but now it's like, I'm like, I'm like, oh shit, if I really focus for like the next decade, I could probably put out like six banging albums. You know what I mean? Like and do some of my <laughs> yeah. best work, you know? Yeah, for sure. Another cool thing aspect to it is the more you're doing, again that's like a muscle like the more you kind of want to do or at least the more you do the easier maybe slightly easier it becomes it becomes more of like a rhythm rather than like yeah. a chore i think when you're just accustomed to doing it everything's a little bit of a riddle though isn't it if you think about it you know what i mean Everything, i was actually like, saying you know, a rhythm but a riddle too is another oh way. i mean it's a riddle i was like yeah i was thinking about it. like you have to kind of learn everything at first you know like you don't really yeah. some things are instinctual but yeah rhythm too is very important I have like a five days a week, um, on Monday through Friday. I have a little routine I do midday. It involves me exercising. It involves my my nap, my short nap, so I can do stuff at night too. And um, and I stick to that schedule. Like that yeah. is gospel to me. If I if you, you if you ask me to do something when I'm supposed to be exercising, I am not available. I have <laughs> and I did. It was only in the last five years of my life I had to make that distinction. And it's been so much better for me to have that barrier. Do you know what I'm yeah. saying? With my focus, I know I'm going to work out today. I'm going to exercise and nobody's going to get in the way of that. That is my time for my health. And having that peace, knowing that that's what I'm going to be doing at that time. And, you know, I'm sure some people would say that's a privilege to be able to get to that. And I wouldn't disagree, but necessarily, but it's also, um, it's also something that I had to forge and I had to train and I had to, I had to get a rhythm. That's why I brought this up yeah. to get myself to a point where every day for a half and half an hour, I'm doing that spin bike for a half an hour. You oh, know what yeah. I mean? I'm, I'm doing it <laughs> yeah. and it doesn't happen right away. I had to start it with three days a week, 15 minutes. Cause I knew if I did try to do it that big at first, yeah. I'd fall off and I yeah. built it and it, now it's sustained. You know, oh, yeah. my wife said to me, gave me an amazing compliment about a year or two ago, which was like, I can't believe you kept it up all through 2020. You know what yeah. I mean? And I was like, I had to. It was my mental health was like hinging on it a little bit, you know, because yeah, we were sure. all under stress. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing how important exercise is for mental health. Absolutely, man. I, you know, people no. say to me, I'm, and I still, you know, I still have my bad days. I still have days where I, I feel down like anybody else. I'm human. It, it exercises is a cure-all. But it definitely helps me focus. It definitely keeps anxiety. Uh, it definitely helps anxiety. And it just kind of, like, makes you feel better about yourself. You know? You, yeah, like, add this thing. I think it's really hard not to feel kind of positive out after a workout. I mean, unless yeah. you had some sort of horrible thing happen to you. But on your average workout, I feel like. You just can't help but have that kind of positivity afterward, even if you are a little uh, physically tired. 
Yeah, and I and I don't enjoy it. I don't like I don't like sitting in one spot for a half an hour. That's hard, you know. What I mean, it's, it's like I don't love it, but I do it. And now and now it's and now it's not. It's just, it doesn't matter if I love it or I like it. It's a matter that the only thing that matters is I want to do it. Yeah, and like I I can uh, also bring up another book on that subject that I just read by David Goggins, who's like an ultra guy. Um, but he's like it's kind of a universal law or truth that if you go out and choose suffering on your own, it's less likely to find you later. It's like a rebound thing. It's an it's an opposite thing. So like, um, explain you know, that to me a little. Ex, ex, keep going. I want to I want to understand this. So you're saying that if it's you just, choose suffering. Yeah, in a like, way, I look at it as especially that mental health aspect, like you're talking about, where. If I go out and go punish myself on, you know, a 10-mile trail run, like, physically, mentally exert myself, afterward, like, I'm having a pretty good day, and nothing's really going to get harder than that. <laughs> like, you know, um, you know what? So. I, I, I can I, – I, um, I have something that relates to that, um, and I'll give you an example of this. I'm very hard on myself. You, you gave me a really nice compliment about my voice. I worked really hard on the vocals that album, and there's still a couple points where I think it's a little pitchier than I want it to be, but I, I can hear it all. But at the same time, I didn't want to like do it so much that it was it was it started to rob itself of emotion. So I I made some parameters of what I would accept and what I wouldn't accept because I know now as I've gotten older, I listen to albums that I love and I hear it all over the place. I hear what I'm I'm hearing what I hear out of my own voice, be yeah. a pre pre auto tune. You know what I'm saying and uh, and I'm very hard on myself. I'm very hard on myself and not just musically. I'm very hard on myself in most ways. Like if, you know, I, I review my behavior constantly. And a couple of years ago, maybe five or six, actually five or six years ago, I had a falling out with a friend. And they said to me, um, they tried to hurt me really bad. They, they said some really right. vicious stuff to me. Really, like, kind of tried to get get me. You know what I mean? Like, they were like, yeah. I'm going to get you here and get here. And I said, you know what? I said, you shit, they, you shit ain't working. And you know why I said you shit ain't working? I said, because nobody knows how to be mean to me better than me. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, there's nothing you're saying right now that I don't say to myself. I said, the only thing that sucks is that you're throwing away our friendship over petty bullshit. I said, yeah. the part, that's the part that hurts. But the stuff you're saying, it's meaningless to me because you could never know me like I know me and nobody's harder on me than me. Yeah. And that was the end of the conversation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do you find that you uh, hold grudges either in the past or now? um, I'll keep my distance from people. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of people in my life that I've had falling outs with that I've forgiven that I see now and I'm like, hey, what's up? Yeah. Um, I don't believe in grudges unless it's like, you know, unless somebody tried to like, really hurt my family i guess you know what i'm saying or something like that but yeah. as far as like personal stuff like uh ego battles um trying to you know trying to like i i, I just don't have time for it i don't want to wait yeah. i don't want to wait human beings can be really insufferable it's part of being human you know what i'm saying if i don't yeah. if i can't accept that some of the people i run into are gonna be a pain in my fucking ass sometimes and still look at them later and be like i accept you because we're all human then I'm not doing a very good job myself. I feel like you know. Yeah. I just don't. Sure. I just. I, th- I think forgiveness is a very, 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 very underrated and powerful tool. 
You know, yeah. and I think that once you learn to really forgive people for their shortcomings and for the ways they hurt you, and you let them back into your life, you earn a respect from them some, most of the time that is almost stronger than the respect of the people that never hurt you in the first place. Because they were, because yeah. they could, because they they could see what they've done, and they go, and you're still willing to be my friend, you're still willing to talk to me, and they, it, it's humbling. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm sure you've made mistakes and somebody forgave you. It humbles you. You know what I'm saying? So forgiveness is a very, 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 very powerful thing. And I don't think enough people realize everybody. And that's one thing about notice of social media, especially whatever about, you know, on and on and on about politics, whatever. Everything's gotten so petty over the last 10 years. Every little thing and every little opinion needs to be run through the petty machine and be like, <laughs> but you said it because of this reason. Yeah. You said it because of this reason. And I win this one. And I, it's like, it's like, you know, it's like, this is pathetic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we're just human beings. It's scary being alive a little bit. If you're really honest with yourself, it's crazy out here, you know? Yeah. Like, I was thinking about the other day, like, you know, people, like, I was like, you know, like, people take drugs to escape life or, I guess, to have an, an experience. I'm, I, I have no problem with people doing what they want to do with their bodies, you know? But I will say this. The older I get, the more I realize life is trippy enough. <laughs> like, yeah. There's a, there a good uh, Terrence McKenna quote who was a pioneer in the, the psychedelic world, but he was like, uh, life isn't weirder than you suppose, it's weirder than you can suppose. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I can pick up on that. <laughs> yeah, it's like just 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 dreaming. I remember all my dreams. I'll, I'll give you something like this. I had this dream yesterday. During, I, when I take my little naps, or about 20 minutes, hopefully, if I go too far, I've ruined it. I can, it could be an issue later, but mostly I have it down where I nail it. It's about 20 minutes. It rejuvenates me. I can do a bunch of stuff for, till 11 o'clock at night or work at the bar. Um, and there's, never, there's never a time when I've worked at the bar where I've been sitting home all day waiting to work at the bar. You know what I'm saying? I'm always yeah. doing normal day stuff and then doing the bar. So I have to have that nap. You know what I mean? And yeah. I, I get these weird dreams during those naps. They're, they are, they tend to be a little dark and they tend to be stressful. And I've always had stress dreams. Um, huh. Back to the worrying thing. And um, yeah. but I had a dream the other day that I was a baby elephant, and I was, and I was looking off the side of this cliff, and there was this pool down there, and the pool was like looked it was blue but it looked bottomless and there's something about bottomless water that kind of freaks me out a little bit even though i love the water yeah and there was two bigger elephants in there and they were telling me they weren't talking to me but i they were telling me in some way to jump off the cliff and learn how to swim so i did yeah. i jumped off the cliff and i sank but then i started swimming towards the surface and i woke up wow that's fucking crazy that's awesome <laughs> yeah no, you, that's you like, could you could spend a while interpreting that one. Yeah, it was but. weird. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, so like, you know, like, like, you know, life is crazy, man. It really is. Or like, just like the fact that like, you know, I, I don't want to get too into it. Cause it's, you know, maybe a bit personal, but, um, you know, when my dad died, like, it was just kind of like, you know, I've had lots of, I've had lots of friends die, um, young, unfortunately. Um, I lost three at the end of the last year in a row. It was crazy. One, wow. one who was a fellow, was a fellow, muse to me like somebody i really connected with as an artist and we had a we had quite the um hysterical relationship and he understood there was nothing i could say to him 
that was ever too weird. He always understood my angle. You know what I'm saying? He was one of those kind of friends. I could say the weirdest fucking thing and he would start cracking up. You know what I mean? And I'm, and I'm capable of saying some weird shit. And like baby elephants. And, uh, you know, I, uh, <laughs> he would think that dream's hysterical. We'd still be laughing about that, by the way. Yeah. But when my dad died, there was this really phantomy kind of like dark moment where I just could not grasp that I would never talk to him again. It seemed yeah. unfathomable. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like nothing I've ever felt. You know what I mean? Like I felt like yeah. I was floating. I felt like I was floating in dark matter. You know what I'm saying? Like I was like, I don't know where I am. And it was kind of panicky for a second. I, you know, it was just like for a second, I was like, I was like, this is where I go crazy. Like I had that thought, you know what I mean? Because yeah. I just couldn't, it was, the, it was after we left the cemetery and I just couldn't like, I just could not grasp that. I would never talk to him again. It just, it didn't seem real. You know what I'm saying? Like it felt like that's yeah. impossible, you know? And that, and to, to get back to like life being weird, that's a weird thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. I don't you think know? our minds can handle non-existence very well. No, I work at it very hard, and it's never it's never comfortable. But I've been having – when I was like five or six, I li- we used to live on this place in Long Island called Pine Hills, which was out way east. I, I forgot about this until about 2000 when I went through a very stressful period of my life. And all these thoughts and ideas that from my childhood came back to me, dreams I had had in this flood because I was, I was having a crisis – um, and that's when yeah. the double phoenix came. The triple phoenix is a symbol of something, just so you know. Uh, double phoenix is around 2000 for me. And it's a um, yeah, and it, around then, um, I remembered all this stuff from my childhood that I had been suppressing. And one of these things was I would sit in, my mom would draw a bath for me, and I would sit in the tub when I was like, I, had, I couldn't have been more than eight because we moved from that place to eight, but I remember laying in that tub. She would let me like hang out in the tub for a while. I would lay in the tub, close my eyes, and I would think about over and over and over again why I was alive. I would, yeah. and I would, I don't know how I did this when I was seven or whatever it was. I would say, why am I alive? Why am I alive? And I would keep saying it, almost like, I guess, like a mantra, like a, you know what I mean? Yeah. Which I, and, and all of a sudden, I, I get to a point where I do that for like a minute or two, and I would feel the bottom drop out, and I would feel weightless for a second. And it was so overpowering that I'd snap out of it because it'd be scary. It was like a scary yeah. feeling. And that's and I, I do feel like that was me tapping into that non-existence thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I could I for a second I could like kind of like I could kind of feel it. You know, I, I could kind of feel what it doesn't what it what I can't even there's no words for it. That's kind of one of the weird things about the word nothing. Um I've always thought there's no nothing doesn't really exist. It's kind of a meaningless word because nobody can observe it. Right. It's just a concept. Nothing's a concept. Yeah. Whenever you say there's nothing going on, that's, there's always something going on. But you say there's, what you know, I mean, it's just like there's nothing is a very, very vague thing. You know, yeah. it's not, you know, and um, and the idea that like there's nothing after this, which tends to be by leaning. Um, but I don't want to. I feel like insisting that I know is way too much hubris for my comfort zone. I don't think that yeah. anybody really knows. And I just think that we kind of have to deal with it together while we're here, you know? Yeah, I think the closest thing you can uh, experience on uh, this plane, the terrestrial plane to that, would be ego death with uh, yeah. psychedelics and uh, 
after that, you definitely have like a different, I don't know, you can't put it into words, I guess, what nothing is, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's I a concept, know. right? I mean, I'm sure there's some it's quantum just, physicist out there that could probably man. blow my mind right now, you know what I mean? But I'm not, I'm a musician. Per- you know? Personally, I'm just I, a musician. I think consciousness persists despite the loss of a mind and despite the loss of an ego there's still something left it's uh quite strange goes back to that terence mckenna thing but um he did an he did an album in the 90s with one of my favorite electronic acts in the 90s oh yeah it's awesome space time continuum remember that oh yeah it's so good that album is so good yeah (laughs) i love that shit yeah no we were i was big into that stuff that 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 uh, album back then. I Space Time Continuous albums in general. I love those out al- 90s albums. I love ambient music. I do, you know. But I love rock. And there's all right, just while I'm thinking about it, there's uh there's also another part of Megazillion. There's the Megatations, the Lo-Fi, the main Megazillion stuff, which is the album. There's also a thing called Grave Concerns, which is and Grave Concerns is the really heavy stuff. There's only one song. There's one song out, there's another one that's about to come out, and that's like that stuff is like technical grindcore meets Phantomas, kind of like just like crazy, like yeah. the fast, like brutal stuff, like metal. You know what I mean? And like, but then I, I'm gonna have song, I'm gonna have albums out with like very somber Peter Gabriel type music too. I want this thing to be like the definitive statement of what I think I'm good at at art. You know what I'm saying? Hell yeah. Um, which two songs do you want to slap on here? I usually do two. So, um, from the album, yeah. let's do um, Sheep of Doom. That's gonna be the first main single. I might release a video for Triple Phoenix. All let's right. do just do and do um, and do uh, do good guys, Sheep of Doom and good guys. Sweet. Yeah, if you could send me over those MP3s, I'll definitely get them on here. Yeah, I'll, but, I'll, uh, render them, I'll render them over for you. Sweet. I probably won't get this out for a week or two. So Okay. No worries. But, uh, yeah, man, this has uh, been definitely one of the better conversations. Uh, I appreciate that. I've had, Thank you. <laughs> had on here in a while. It's always fun when uh, we can talk about some super random stuff rather than just uh, the P's and Q's of well, you know, album. you know, so. I think I think that um, I think that everything I was talking about is informing the album in a lot of ways. If you listen to the lyrics yeah. on the album, it, all that stuff's in there. Like that's like when I talk about this stuff, that's like that's part of my life's work. You know, what I'm saying all these things right. that I'm talking about, and you were asking you were asking the right questions to lead me down that path. So you did a good job in that regard. So I appreciate that because I was saying some stuff. I was like, I didn't think I was going to be talking about this today, and that's mm-hmm. great because I do want to talk about it because I think. Um, I think I tend to be a very guarded person. Right. I've learned to do that. And, um, but I do think that for me, t- for this project to be successful, I do think I have to get out of my comfort zone a little bit. So um, I appreciate that. Yeah, man, no problem. Happy to, you know, dive deep here into your soul. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Baby elephants in the void. <laughs> but uh, yeah, usually I only keep these things going for around like half an hour so we're at about an hour now so i think yeah, that's, that's good that's good that's, that's good. probably that's more yeah. than enough rambling for one episode but um 
you can obviously come back on, and I'm sure I'll see you again too. Yeah, at absolutely. The, well, at we'll, the bar. we'll get. I'll get. So. I'll get you in ZC Moose in February. You want to play? Want to put something together for February? Get a couple bands. Oh yeah, I know uh, a couple who are interested. Yeah. Obviously, for sure. Yeah, the only thing I can't do anymore is super loud stuff, but you guys aren't super loud, so we can do it. You know what I'm saying? Let's get. Let's yeah. find some other bands that are on the same like volume level. Let's put something together. All right. Right on. I can definitely do that. Thanks. Thank you so much. Sick. All right, man. I'll see you soon, probably. A real pleasure, man. All right, dude. Talk to you soon. Later. Yep. So, yeah, I want to thank Paul for coming on the show, and I want to thank you for listening. The song that you're hearing in the background is called Good Guys, and you can find it uh, pretty much wherever you stream music. See you next week. The good guys rode off leaving behind us here.